What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of being your host. And I do mean it's a privilege. So it's been so nice to get to hear from you via emails as you're sharing comments about the show and questions and just to be able to interact a little bit. So that's new to me. Our, our TV series was where I was with people flesh on flesh, but this radio show has been more about me talking into a mic and it's been really great to hear from you guys. So privileged to be back today. We're going to be talking about conflict resolution and in particular relational conflict where it comes from, uh, how we should consider conflict in the first place. So we'll get to some of that here in a second, but just know in our second segment, I've also reserved a question from one of our listeners, Amy. Amy's written in about mom guilt and just saying she feels like a failure and overwhelmed. So how can she practically approach thinking about the expectation she has of herself and and so forth. So Amy, we'll get to that question here in just a bit, but let's start by talking through conflict. I know for some of us, it's like using the C word. We hate the C word of conflict because conflict for us, it just kind of makes our stomach churn a little bit. We're uneasy with conflict. Uh, some of us, when we think of conflict, like literally like this, I don't even mean this metaphorically. There are those that will start to get ulcers, nervousness, sleeplessness, and uh, really, there is a physiological response to this stress from conflict in your life. Others of us, uh, we don't mind conflict. Yeah, we don't mind it at all, actually. We kind of enjoy a little bit of conflict. We like to stir the pot. We like to bump individuals and watch them squirm just a bit. And even culturally within America, there are different regions of the United States that seem to be a little more abrasive. And yes, I am talking to you if you're listening from New England. We're talking to you. You guys know this about yourselves, though. And there are other regions that are a little more passive and maybe kind to your face, but not always as kind when you're not present. And yes, if you're listening from the South, I am talking about us. I'm a Southerner as well. Uh, some of us have cultural impacts that shape how we respond to conflict. And uh, if you come from an Asian culture, that's going to influence the way you would respond to conflict. If you come from a, an American, North American, South American culture, African, we all have these influences on how we respond to conflict. And uh, if you're unfamiliar with Ken Sandy's The Peacemaker, you really are missing out because it is probably one of the best guides to resolving personal conflict. Again, that's The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. If you've never read it, I would encourage you go to the Transformed store. If you can't find it there, then simply find a copy of it. But the intent is that you have a something like a Ken Sandy's work on The Peacemaker where he lays out really a theology of conflict. 
And he starts by helping us understand our general responses to conflict. And you know what? I find these to be true in the counseling room as well. He provides what's called a slippery slope of conflict. And by that, he just means there are generally two extremes that our responses seem to take to conflict. So interpersonally, when you and I are in a disagreement, uh, a fight, someone has offended us, our neighbor has moved their hedges just a little too close, our adult child has spoken to us in a way that kind of rubs us wrong, on those occasions, what are your tendencies? And that's what we're talking about with interpersonal conflict. The tendencies that he puts forward, first of all, would be a tendency to escape. He uses a term called peace faking. Have you ever heard that term? I love it. Peace faking because it's a play on peacemaking, but the idea is that you're not actually making peace. You're just feigning peace. Peace faking is an escape tactic. And escape often looks like where we are in denial about the conflict itself. Uh, no, we're good. No, we're totally good. But inwardly, you actually are upset or you're bitter or resentful or you're acting kind of puffy. Escape can actually mean that you're fleeing and avoiding. Think of the person that difficulties come at work. They know that there is going to be a pressure, so they just quit. They just quit. Or think of the individual that has a conflict at church and instead of working it out and doing their best to resolve it, they just quit and they leave churches and they go to a different church and they never ever don the doorstep of that church again. That is going to be the example of escaping. He obviously would take it to an extreme to where a person is even willing to take their own life because they do not want to address conflict. And each of those would be escape tactics on behalf of an individual who is experiencing conflict. Now, when we say denial, we don't mean that a person is merciful and gracious. We mean that they are authentically not addressing the conflict. So denial is where a person knows there's an issue, but is just feigning that everything's okay while not addressing the issue. Uh, we would use like colloquialisms to say, hey, you're just, you're just brushing it under the rug. You're sweeping it away. You're not addressing the real issue. If you brush enough under the rug, then what happens is you eventually trip on it. And the reality is peace faking in responding to conflict is not resolving conflict. And it's not being merciful or loving. It's, it's actually denying that there is a problem, avoiding it at all costs, doing your best to when things get difficult, you get out of there. That is a tendency to conflict that some of us have. Escape, or if you want to use the Ken Sandy term, peace faking. A second tendency is those that attack. Attack responses we often know are really bad because we would say, hey, you're not supposed to yell at people when you get mad. Seems pretty straightforward, right, guys? Like you're not supposed to curse at them. Uh, we shouldn't throw things, slam our fists on tables, punch walls when we have interpersonal conflict. That is an attack response. For some, it actually leads to physical violence where they get in an argument and they go fist to cuffs with another individual. We've all been at the Little League sporting game when someone gets a little too passionate about the call the umpire has made. So we have been in those situations where people are so angry that they're willing to strike each other and to be violent. Again, that would be an example of an attack response. Just like escape responses continue to escalate to the point of taking one's own life, so do attack responses where we're not taking our own life, but we get so mad we're actually willing to take the life of another person. 
Some would even say that's part of the example of Cain and Abel, that his anger got to him so much that he was willing to take his own brother's life out of anger. And this culmination of attack responses leads one to lose self-control or intentionally hurt a person. That is an attack response. So almost all of us can look at interpersonal conflict and say, you know what? I am the attacker. I don't mind conflict. I kind of go straight at it. And at times I lose my temper or I bulldoze people. I'm a bad listener. I talk over them and, and I often escalate problems. Some of you who are listening to this, you don't mind conflict. And when conflict happens, you just kind of go straight at it. But the problem is that you don't always resolve it because the way you address it is often compounding the problem. There are times in conflict where we're in disagreement with folks and what, what happens is it's not even the original problem anymore. It's now how we are currently addressing it. That's the compounding problems that counseling often has to address. So if I avoid every conflict like the plague, then the reality is I'm going to have to move about every three years and find new friendships about every three years, right? I mean, like inevitably my job, my employer, my church, my neighbor, inevitably I'll have a disagreement with them about something and I have to be able to navigate that conflict in a way that honors the Lord. So we don't want to be escape artists and we don't want to be attackers. In the biblical middle ground of conflict, we want to recognize that conflict can be used by God to glorify himself to, and to do good, to glorify himself and to do good. And in particular, to do good in our relationships. Let me provide this thought, and you guys are more than welcome to critique this as you're listening to this episode. Some of my closest friends are individuals that I've already had a conflict with. Does it make sense? Like we've worked through it together. And now on the backside, we actually have a deeper respect for each other, a greater appreciation and love. Because there's something about conflict that actually allowed us to learn each other's character, see each other's desire to honor the Lord, see a willingness to work together and to compromise and come to a mutually agreeable solution. God uses conflict to glorify his name and do good. And in particular, do good in your relationships. So if that's the case, then I don't have to avoid conflict like the plague, which is my natural tendency. I'm not an attacker naturally. And if I'm an attacker, I have to make sure that I am going to glorify the Lord in the way I approach conflict. I can't bulldoze people. I can't smash it. I can't see myself as the one that's out firefighting, putting out all the conflicts and doing it my way. I have to be willing to be a peacemaker, biblically to bring peace to this circumstance. So we're going to take a short break. Thanks for being here up to this point. When we come back, I'm going to answer Amy's question, and then we'll jump back in with this concept. We'll be right back. Okay, so let's take a step back for just a couple of minutes, and we'll return to Dr. Greg Gifford in just a moment as he continues to talk about conflict resolution in the life of the Christian. But I wanted to take a minute to let you know about some amazing resources that you'll find available at transformed.org. If you've been looking to grow in godliness, then I want to recommend The Practice of Godliness by Dr. Jerry Bridges. Here's what Bridges says in the book. He says, the practice of godliness is first of all a matter of the heart, and this is where the battle must be fought. It is here that the Spirit of God must work until our affections are reordered and our hearts are brought into submission 
to God's will. Only then can we hope to bring our actions into line with His Word and glorify Him in all that we do. Available at transform.org, The Practice of Godliness by Dr. Jerry Bridges. And hey, while you're there, I wanted to take a minute to talk to you about supporting our ministry here at Gospel Partners Media. We're committed to producing content and resources like Transformed, Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth. And it takes more than just our efforts in order to do it. It takes yours as well. And we would love it if you would consider prayerfully, that is, joining us by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. You can find out all of the information that you need about becoming a gospel partner on our website at transformed.org. And speaking of transform.org, I'm not sure who brought that up to begin with, but since somebody did, I do want to recommend to you another category of resources that we have available there. If you've been thinking about starting the path to becoming a biblical counselor, we've got you covered. We have some resources that are available to help get the journey started for you. One in particular, Dr. Gifford's been talking about already today. It's The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. Here's one of the things that Sandy says in the book. He says, Biblical peacemaking is not just about resolving disagreements and restoring relationships. It's about cultivating a lifestyle that reflects the character of our loving Heavenly Father, who has reconciled us to Himself through Christ and now calls us to be ambassadors of reconciliation to others. It's The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy at transformed.org. All right, well, now let's not waste any more time. Let's get back to learning about conflict resolution from the man we all came here to hear from. Here's Dr. Greg Gifford. This is Transform. Welcome back to Transform. The Bible would tell us that OCD is not a disorder. It is the fruit of wrong believing and wrong theology. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. We've been talking about conflict resolution, and I want to take just a brief moment to address a question from a listener. Amy wrote in talking about mom guilt, saying that she's overwhelmed and at times is struggling with feeling like a failure as a mom and a wife. And Amy, one of the things I would say is, First of all, be sure that you're expecting of yourself what God expects of you. I think at times that a wife can put too much pressure on herself, more pressure than what God actually anticipates. And whatever time your child falls asleep is a good time. And whatever they eat for lunch that day, we praise the Lord they ate something. And if it wasn't broccolis and grilled chicken, then we're okay with that in the end because that's not necessarily what God expects of us. So I would say go back to his word and begin to answer the question, what does God expect of me? And hold yourself to that standard. And that may mean your schedule frees up a little bit, that you're doing a little bit less, that your kids may have a soda every now and then. But I think in the end, what you'll see is that it's very liberating for you to be grounded back in, this is what God expects of me, so this is all I'm going to expect of me. I hope that that will bring freedom to you and even inform joy in some of the day-to-day of what you're doing right now. So expect of yourself what God expects of you and nothing more. So now let's finish this thought about conflict resolution. If we are the person that loathes conflict, we have to be willing to say, I got to intentionally engage it because God uses it. 
And if I'm the person that doesn't mind attacking and jumping on conflict and making that phone call right now, I have to be willing to say that conflict is going to be resolved when I'm doing this in a God-honoring way. I cannot be a steamroller for Jesus. Now, how do I connect the dots here? Well, let's start to talk about the purpose of conflict. So last segment, I said, well, actually, God uses conflict to glorify himself. And I would suggest that that's actually what God is doing in the midst of conflict. God is bringing conflict so that we can learn to trust him more and become more like Jesus Christ. Let me see if I can show you something. Let's go over to James chapter 4. James chapter 4 is one of the primary passages that teach us about conflict, where it comes from, how to identify it. When you hear James 4 verse 1, it will immediately poke you right in the eyeball. I'm convinced that most of us, as we read this, especially for the first time, or we're just learning about it, it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize the Bible said that so specifically. Verse 1 says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. This is what James says is the source of fighting and quarreling. In this context, the quarreling and fighting seems to be that there are spiritual leaders who are asserting themselves and saying they are the gifted ones. So chapter 3, verse 1, that's why he says not many should become teachers. Chapter 3, verse 13, he says, who is wise and understanding? Let his good conduct show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Someone that is part of the recipient of this letter is asserting themselves as being the apt, capable, wise one. And it seems like they're causing divisions. So chapter four, verse one, James directly answers what causes quarrels and fights. And then he moves inward. Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? Your passions, this is where we get the term cravings or appetites. It's the inner parts of you, your inner man. What are you wanting? What are you craving? What are you passionate about? Think of hedone, the term here, as what we would use for hedonism, just giving in to your passions. Obviously, it could refer to your physical cravings and your immaterial cravings because he immediately moves in verse 2 to desire and coveting. What a profound thought. He says, where does your conflict come from? Well, first of all, it comes from your individual passions and desires and coveting. And where are those taking place? In you and in me. Oh, man. I would actually prefer to just blame my children for all the conflicts or my boss or my neighbor's gardener that has to show up at the crack of dawn on Wednesdays. Uh, what else could I blame? Rain. I could blame the rain for something, I'm sure. But the Bible says, look, conflict is something that starts within your own inner person and your hearts. On this show, we've talked so much about your inner person and your heart, and that is the seat of your passions and your desires. Really, when we are in conflict, nine times out of 10, 
we could identify what we are fighting about by asking this question. Are you ready for it? What am I wanting that I am not getting? That's an x-ray question. If you're familiar with David Pallison's x-ray questions, what am I wanting that I am not getting right now? And thus, I am willing to sin against you in this conflict that we are in. At the very basis of James 4, what you're wanting and not getting is leading to murder, attack response, fighting and quarreling, attack response. He says you don't have because you don't ask in prayer. And when you do pray, verse 3, you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Even the prayer is selfishly motivated by an inner desire And that prayer is not answered because it's not asked in accordance with God's will. James doesn't cut us any slack, guys. And as we hear James say this, unfortunately, I can't say, well, it's my kids, it's my neighbor's landscaper, it's whomever else. No, it's actually me. It's something in my heart, something I'm wanting that I'm not getting, and it's leading me to quarrel and fight. Let me insert this thought for you. If you can authentically grasp this, what will transform is the fact that you will have less conflicts. Here it is. When you see that your purpose in this life is to glorify God, then it means no matter what you're wanting and not getting, you are not going to want it more than you want to glorify God. Can I say that one more time? And it will still be redundant. Don't worry. When you recognize that your purpose in this life is to glorify God, then whatever you're wanting and not getting in this situation, it cannot be greater than our desire to glorify God. We want to glorify God more than we want that thing. Whew. Honestly, if, if that bakes its way down into the marrow of my bones and your bones, we will be individuals that are better peacemakers and there will be less conflict because we want to glorify God no matter what happens. We want God to be honored in our responses. So you could embed us with difficult people, and some of you just flat out work with difficult, divisive people, and yet I don't have to be in conflict with them if I am willing to glorify the Lord no matter what they do. No matter what they do, my posture is that I'm not going to give in to an escape response or I'm not going to give in to an attack response. I'm going to glorify the Lord and be a peacemaker in this. That will alleviate so much tension in and of itself. But if I'm going to demand that thing that I am wanting be met, then watch out. Just watch out. I will attack for it. I will scratch, claw, bite, steal, cheat to get that thing and only increase the amount of conflict that I face. So what's the purpose of conflict? It's to glorify God. The source of conflict is in us. The source of conflict is in us. And the remedy for the source is that we're going to glorify God no matter what we want right now. We want to please the Lord the most. That's going to be this starting basis point. Ken Sandy's going to say our number one goal is to glorify God. And that means that he can be glorified in the conflict that we're in. So if the purpose of conflict is for God to help me trust him more, to glorify him more, then no matter what I'm wanting right now, I want to please God the most. Are you hearing me on this? We want to please the Lord. So when we don't get what we want this weekend, we're going to do our best to please the Lord. And when my nap is robbed from me and the one sacred hour of the whole week that I can take a nap, I'm going to say, Lord, I trust you and I'm going to please you. When someone is disrespectful to me, 
instead of me demanding respect, I'm going to say, Lord, I want to please you. And I'm not getting respect, which I really do want right now. But my first goal is not for respect. My first goal is to please you. If you can start to let this seep down into your own soul, what will take place is you will be a peacemaker simply by the fact that you want to please God first and foremost. You want him to be glorified. For those of you that are hearing this and escape is your tendency, you got to hear that God can be glorified in this. And God is actually cultivating in you a sense of trust and greater Christ-likeness. He's using conflict to refine you. For those of you that might be prone to an attack response, I would say make sure that you're wanting to glorify the Lord in the way you're approaching conflict. I know you're okay with squashing it immediately, but remember that we can really hurt people if we're not doing this in a way that promotes peace. So let me do this. I'm going to stop here. In our next episodes, we're going to continue with personal conflict resolution, principles that guide this, and practical strategies for how we can be better peacemakers. Let me pray for us as we end today's episode. Lord, we want to be peacemakers because we want to be like you, and we recognize every relationship won't be perfect, and we will be embedded with those that we inherently disagree with, yet we can be at peace with individuals. Romans tells us to live at peace as best as we can with all men, and may that be true of us. May none of us, listeners included, be individuals who are calamitous, that bring drama with us to the relationships, the churches, the work environments that we enter into. And by your grace, may you help us all to be more like Christ in this way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, transform.org, is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. And also prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Thank you for listening. And until next time, go serve your king.